European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 38, Issue 38, Focus Issue on Heart Failure, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Lucia. Special Issues in Heart Failure, Pulmonary Hypertension, Deranged Potassium Levels, and Hemodynamic Profiles. Many, if not most, cardiac diseases, regardless of whether or not they involve the coronary circulation or the myocardium, end up in heart failure. This can be with preserved or reduced ejection fraction. While heart failure with reduced ejection fraction, HFREF, has declined due to modern management of acute coronary syndromes, heart failure with preserved ejection fraction, HFPEF, is increasing in aging Western societies. A common consequence of both forms of heart failure is pulmonary congestion, assessed clinically or more recently with ultrasound and hypertension, both important prognostic markers in these patients. In a current opinion article entitled Pulmonary Hypertension in Heart Failure with Preserved Ejection Fraction, A Plea for Proper Phenotyping and Further Research, by Marius Hopper and colleagues from the Hanover Medical School in Germany, address the uncertainties in proper phenotyping of patients with HFPEF and argue that a better classification and outlines for future research on improvements of the pathophysiological understanding and potential treatment strategies for pulmonary hypertension will be clinically useful. They hypothesize that proper phenotyping is key to identifying patients who may benefit from therapies targeting pulmonary hypertension. Hence, the two remaining controversial topics are the diastolic pressure gradient in distinguishing between isolated post-capillary pulmonary hypertension and combined pre- and post-capillary pulmonary hypertension, and the concept of atypical pulmonary arterial hypertension. Adding to this discussion, Barry A. Borlaug and colleagues from the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota, USA, provide a further perspective in a viewpoint entitled, Is it time to recognize a new phenotype? Heart failure with preserved ejection fraction with pulmonary vascular disease. Cardiac amyloidosis is rare, but thanks to better diagnostic tools and increasingly recognized cardiomyopathy, leading to HFPEF. A specific form of often severe HFPEF is transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis. 1 in 20 patients with severe left ventricular hypertrophy do have transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis as the underlying cause. It has recently been reported in patients with aortic stenosis, but its prevalence and phenotype are not known. In their article entitled unveiling transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis and its predictors among elderly patients with severe aortic stenosis undergoing transcatheter aortic valve replacement, Adam Castano and colleagues from the New York University School of Medicine in the USA examined elderly patients with severe symptomatic aortic stenosis undergoing transcatheter aortic valve replacement, or TAVI, and determined the prevalence and phenotype of transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis non-invasively. They prospectively performed 99M technetium pyrophosphate cardiac scintigraphy as well as transthoracic echocardiography and speckle strain image on patients undergoing TAVI 
to screen for transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis. Among 151 patients with a mean age of 84 years, 24, or 16%, screened positive for transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis based on 99M technetium pyrophosphate scintigraphy. Compared to patients without the condition, those with transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis had a thicker interventricular septum, a higher left ventricular mass index, lower stroke volume index, and advanced diastolic dysfunction with higher E-A ratios and lower deceleration time. Further, they exhibited a lower ejection fraction of 48% compared to 56% in those without amyloidosis, reduced myocardial contraction fraction, and a lower average of lateral and septal mitral annular tissue Doppler S. While global longitudinal strain was further reduced in amyloidosis patients compared to those without it, the relative apical longitudinal strain was the same regardless of the presence or absence of transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis. Average S best predicted transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis in multivariable logistic regression with an impressive odds ratio of 16.67 per 1 cm per second decrease and with area under the curve in the ROC analysis of 0.96 with a value less than 6, conferring 100% sensitivity for predicting a positive 99M technetium pyrophosphate scan. Thus, transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis is notable in 16% of patients with severe calcific aortic stenosis undergoing TAVI and is associated with a low-flow, low-gradient phenotype with mildly reduced ejection fraction. An average tissue Doppler mitral annular S of less than 6 cm per second may be a sensitive measure that should prompt a confirmatory 99MTC technetium pyrophosphate scan and subsequent testing for transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis. Prospective assessment of outcomes after TAVI are now needed in patients with and without transthyretin cardiac amyloidosis. These clinically relevant findings are further discussed in an editorial by Pasquale Perone Filardi from the Federico II University of Naples in Italy. Medication prescribed to patients suffering from chronic heart failure, such as diuretics or inhibitors of the renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, carries an increased risk of impaired potassium homeostasis, a condition associated with potentially dangerous arrhythmias. While diuretics are used in all forms of heart failure for symptom relief, particularly in HFREF and HFMREF, mineralocorticoid antagonists are prescribed to improve outcomes. In their article, Associations of Serum Potassium Levels with Mortality in Chronic Heart Failure Patients, Mette Aldal and colleagues from the Aalborg University Hospital in Denmark examined the relationship between different levels of serum potassium and mortality among 19,549 patients with chronic heart failure who had a measurement of potassium within 90 days after initiating loop diuretics and angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitors, or angiotensin-2 receptor blockers, both altering potassium levels particularly at higher dosages. In multivariable adjusted analysis, patients with the following potassium levels 
had an increased risk of all-cause mortality, 2.8 to 3.4 millimoles per litre, with a hazard ratio of 3.16, 3.5 to 3.8 millimoles per litre, with a hazard ratio of 1.62, 3.9 to 4.1 millimoles per litre, with a hazard ratio of 1.29, 4.8 to 5.0 millimoles per litre, with a hazard ratio of 1.34, 5.1 to 5.5 millimoles per litre, with a hazard ratio of 1.60, and 5.6 to 7.4 millimoles per litre, with a hazard ratio of 3.31. Thus, chronic heart failure patients with potassium levels within the lower and upper levels of the normal range were associated with a significantly increased short-term risk of death. Likewise, potassium below 3.5 millimoles per litre and above 5.0 millimoles per litre was also associated with increased mortality. These intriguing findings are further discussed in an educational editorial by Bertram Pitt from the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor, USA. HFREF is mainly caused by coronary artery disease and infarction, but a significant proportion of patients, particularly among the young, have cardiomyopathies of various origin as the underlying disease. In a further paper, Hemodynamic Profiles of Children with End-Stage Heart Failure, Sharon Chen and colleagues from Stanford University in California, USA, evaluated associations between hemodynamic profiles and symptoms, end-organ function and outcome in children listed for heart transplantation. As many as 1,059 children below 18 years with a median age of 7 years, half of whom had dilated cardiomyopathy, listed for heart transplant with invasive hemodynamic data, including pulmonary capillary wedge pressure, right arterial pressure, and cardiac index, being available, were analysed. Overall, 58% had congestion as reflected by a pulmonary capillary wedge pressure above 15 millimetres of mercury, 28% had severe congestion with a wedge above 22 millimetres of mercury, and 22% a low cardiac index below 2.2 litres per minute per metre squared. 21% met the combined primary outcome of death or clinical deterioration. In a multivariable analysis, worse NYHA class or ROS classification was associated with increased pulmonary capillary wedge pressure with an odds ratio of 1.03, renal dysfunction with increased right atrial pressure with an odds ratio of 1.04, and hepatic dysfunction with both increased pulmonary capillary wedge pressure with an odds ratio of 1.03, and increased right atrial pressure with an odds ratio of 1.09. There were no associations with low cardiac index. Death or clinical deterioration was strongly associated with severe congestion with an odds ratio of 1.6, but not with cardiac index alone. However, children with both low cardiac index and severe congestion were at highest risk with an odds ratio of 1.9. Thus, in children with end-stage heart failure, congestion is more common than low cardiac index and correlates with NYHA and ROS classification and end-organ dysfunction. Children with both congestion and low cardiac index have the highest risk of death or clinical deterioration. 
These findings are put into context in an editorial by Robert M. Blanton from the Tufts Medical Center in Boston, Massachusetts, USA. The editors hope that this issue of the European Hearts Journal will find the interest of its readers.